You are listening to the audio from Grace Bible Church. This audio message is a recording from our Sunday morning worship service. We hope you enjoy. If you will, open up your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. It's page 979 in the Pew Bible in front of you, in case you don't have your own copy of Scripture. Page 979. You know, church, this last week, I, I spent some time thinking about the early days of the pandemic. More specifically, the days when we were forced to shut down our church services. Remember those days? Those days were filled with so much uncertainty and fear and isolation, loneliness, even depression. We had no idea at the time what the virus was capable of, no idea when we would reopen again, no idea what the world would look like when we did. And in many ways, it felt like we were in a shared battle, yet we were fighting it all alone. Weird. And then once we realized that it was going to take a lot longer than 15 days to slow the spread, we began to adjust how the church would connect with one another. And that's when Zoom happened. Now, if you're anything like me, then you're probably Zoomed out. You're like, I do not want to be on Zoom ever again. However, during those difficult days, Zoom truly was a godsend to our church body. In fact, it was on a Zoom call in the early days of the pandemic that I experienced one of the most tender uh, moments that I've had in all of my time in ministry. I remember it vividly. It was our very first Wednesday night Zoom call as a church. You see, for the first time in what felt like forever, and I can't remember the timeline, it was a while, we got to interact and see each other's faces. We got to greet one another and smile uh, with one another and joke with one another and pray with one another. And it was during that very first Zoom call that I realized an important reality about the church, namely that face-to-face time matters. It matters. There's just something special, something comforting, something healing about seeing each other's faces. And for me personally, seeing familiar faces, it was a blessing that went a long way in bringing a sense of peace and security in the midst of the pandemic. Well, church, in many ways, the same is true when it comes to God's face. When we experience the familiarity of his face in our lives, it is a blessing that will bring us a sense of peace and security in the midst of spiritual warfare. Psalm 89.15 says, Blessed are the people who know the festal shout, in other words, who know how to acclaim God and worship him, but blessed are the people who walk, O Lord, in in the light of your face. You see, there's something about walking in the light of God's face that is key to receiving his blessing over our lives and achieving victory in our battle against the enemy. This, of course, begs the question, what does it mean to walk in the light of God's face? Well, to walk in the light of God's face is to personally experience and enjoy his holy, intimate presence in our lives. How many of you guys want to experience and enjoy God's holy, intimate presence in your life? Say, I do. Well, according to Scripture, to encounter this type of holy intimacy with God, we need to be intentional about seeking it out. 
David understood this when he wrote in Psalm 27, 8. He said this, You have said, seek my face. And my heart says to you, your face, Lord, do I seek. Augustine said, God thirsts to be thirsted after. Just like getting on that Zoom call with the church, we must intentionally get on the line with God if we're to enjoy the familiarity of his face. In other words, we need to regularly and intentionally seek and stay connected to God in prayer. In prayer. And so this morning, as we conclude our study in the armor of God, we're going to learn about what this type of praying looks like. I call it battle-ready prayer. And it's through our study that we're going to be reminded of this important truth. Prayer is vital to our welfare in spiritual warfare. This is key. You can have all the, all the armor of God you want, but if you don't have this, you're going to fall flat. And I'll explain why in a few minutes. So let's just... In the spirit of prayer, let's pray, ask God's blessing on his word before we jump into it. Lord God, your word says to seek your face. And may we, like David, seek your face today. God, as we come before you in in today's study, I pray that you would use it, Lord, to, to change me and how I pray, and how I uh, have a connection to you and a relationship with you, and that you would change all of those here that are sitting under your word today. God, help us to get this area right. You desire that we seek after you, God. Help us to, to, to mimic and imitate that desire. God, we commit our time in your word to you, and pray that your Holy Spirit would guide me and speak to us this morning. And all God's people said... Amen. So church, all throughout scripture, there's an unmistakable emphasis on the importance of prayer. When the disciples walked with Jesus, they didn't ask him, hey, Jesus, teach us how to preach. Or, hey, Jesus, teach us how to teach. They said, teach us how to what? Pray. When Jesus overturned the money changers in the temple, he declared that his house, in other words, his people shall be called the house of prayer. And even the church itself was birthed out of a 10-day prayer meeting. Later, when writing to Timothy, Paul said in 1 Timothy 2.1, he said, First of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings be made for all people. Church, we know. We know that prayer isn't the only thing church is supposed to do. But according to Paul, it is the first thing the church is called to do. And for good reason. For the last two months, we've been studying the fact that we are in a spiritual war. Therefore, we need spiritual intervention If we're to win the war, I would argue that prayer is the God-given means by which we access the intervention. John Piper said, until you believe that life is war, you cannot know what prayer is for. Prayer is for the accomplishment of a wartime mission. Friends, simply, simply put, we're not meant to fight the good fights alone. The Lord calls us to seek his face for our daily battles. We just need to answer his call. We need to humble ourselves before the Lord and call out to him and echo the declaration of David in Psalm 40, verse 17. He says this, As for me, I am poor and I'm needy, but the Lord takes thought for me. You are my help and my deliverer. Do not delay, oh my God. How many of you would agree 
that we are poor and needy and that he is worthy and able to meet our needs. So before jumping into our study on battle-ready prayer, I just want to take a moment to remind ourselves of what we're up against and what God has given us for victory. So let's read one more time uh, as we close out our study on the armor of God through the whole armor of God. Ephesians chapter 6, starting in verse 10. Follow along with me. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. That's what we're up against, church. Paul says, therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand, therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And here's our verse for today. Praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints. You know, a story is told of a young boy who was misbehaving during a morning worship service. And so his parents did their best to control him, but they were quickly losing the battle. Finally, the father picked up the boy and walked out to apply some firm correction. And just before reaching the foyer, the little boy cried out loudly to the congregation, Pray for me! Pray for me! Church, if we're honest, just like this little boy, sometimes we attempt to use prayer to try and get what we want from God instead of getting what God wants for us. Of course, it's an exercise in futility, but we still do it more often than we'd like to admit. Well, this morning, it's my hope to share with you a more biblical way to pray. Now, it's not going to be an exhaustive study on prayer, obviously, but it's my prayer that we will leave here a little more encouraged and a little more equipped to seek God's face and fight against the enemy. Does that sound like a plan? So found within today's passage are five practices for battle-ready prayer. Five in one verse. Crazy. Five practices. Let's begin by looking at the first. It's this. Be steadfast in prayer. Be steadfast. Look again at the beginning of verse 18. Paul said, praying at what? All times. You know, whenever I'm on the road away from uh, my family, I like to take advantage of the ability to FaceTime. And for those of you who don't know, the purpose of FaceTime is in the name. Similar to Zoom, you can video call someone with your phone and see their face. Spend some time seeing their face and talking with them, right? You all do it if you don't do it. I mean, I don't know. It's 2022. You should probably start. But anyway, um, there's been times when I FaceTime with Carrie and we had deep talks. And there's been other times when we FaceTime and I kind of went about my normal business as we were on the line. In other words, I'd brush my teeth and get ready for the day and eat my breakfast, all while staying connected to Carrie. Why? Because even though she wasn't physically present with me, and even though we didn't always have that deep conversation, her presence was still felt through our constant connection. And just being aware of her presence was comforting. Well, Paul begins by reminding us to stay in constant connection to God, to continually maintain an awareness of his presence. 
Because the moment when we choose to disconnect or break the connection from God, that's when the enemy is going to attack. Dr. Tony Evans notes, and I love Dr. Tony Evans because he just has a way of saying things that, he, man, it's like I'm just not that cool or smart. But he says this. Uh, he says, a believer who is outfitted with the full armor of God but refuses to pray is like a frontline soldier outfitted with the best weapons technology and protective gear but who has no communication with his commanding authority. He won't last long. It's for this reason Colossians 4.2 says, continue what? Steadfastly in prayer. Romans 12.12 says, rejoice in hope, be patient in tribulation, and what? Be constant in prayer. Now, to continue steadfastly in prayer or to be constant in prayer doesn't mean that we spend all day on our knees. We can't do that. Although those special intimate times with God are important to our Christian walk. It means that we live each day with this constant awareness and dependence upon God and his presence. In his book, Transforming Prayer, Daniel, uh, Daniel Henderson said this. He said, prayerlessness, listen, he said, prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. Let that sink in. Prayerlessness is our declaration of independence from God. Simply put, if we live each day disconnected from our divine power source, then we're declaring that we can do life on our own, in our own strength and our own power. And that's when we find ourselves discouraged and defeated. Jesus said in John 15, 5, he said, yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, when you're disconnected from me, you can do what? Nothing. So church, as far as it depends on you, I want to encourage you to do everything you can to stay connected to God. And begin by setting aside time each day to enjoy those very special intimate moments in deep prayer with him. And then, as you go about your daily business, maintain an attitude of prayer that is always aware of his presence. Because I'm going to tell you something, that's going to go a long way in helping you stay on the side of victory instead of on the side of defeat. And this brings us to the second practice. Be spirit-led in prayer. Spirit-led. Look again at verse 18. Paul said, praying at all times in the Spirit. You know, in his book, Forgotten God, Francis Chan said, If I were Satan, and my ultimate goal was to thwart God's kingdom and purposes, one of my main strategies would be to get churchgoers to ignore the Holy Spirit. In church, I believe that's exactly what he's doing. I truly do. Jim Simbolo, the pastor of Brooklyn Tabernacle, he notes that when it comes to the person of the Holy Spirit, most churches tend to either be cemeteries or insane asylums. In other words, some churches hardly seek them at all, while other churches engage in all sorts of bizarre, extra-biblical antics that are done in the Spirit, but are really just counterfeit demonstrations of His power. And because of this, because there's so many uh, counterfeit demonstrations of the Holy Spirit, many churchgoers kind of choose to ignore the Holy Spirit altogether, because it's safer. Church we must avoid this detrimental practice. 1 Thessalonians 5.19 is clear. Do not quench the spirits. You know, the reality is, 
The very existence of counterfeit money only proves that there's a real thing, right? As believers, we must embrace the real thing when it comes to praying in the Spirit. William Booth, the founder of the Salvation Army, he said this, We are not such fools as to refuse good banknotes because there are false ones in circulation. And although we see here and there manifestations of what appears to us to be nothing more than mere earthly fire, we are nonetheless, we, we nonetheless prize and value and seek for the genuine fire which comes from the altar of the Lord. You see, church, to be spirit-led in prayer is by far one of the most important and neglected aspects of battle-ready prayer. Greek scholar Kenneth West said, praying in the spirit, so what is praying in the spirit? He says this, he said, praying in the spirit is dependence on the Holy Spirit. It's praying in dependence upon the Holy Spirit. It is prayer exercise in the sphere of the Holy Spirit, motivated and empowered by him. So what does that look like on a very practical level? Well, I think the answer is found, at least in part, in what Pastor Dan preached on last week. So if you have your Bibles open, just look again at Ephesians 6, 17. It might be on the screen. But Paul said this, he said, And take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. And so if the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God, then to pray in the Spirit is to pray influenced by what? I hear some miracle there from my God. By what? <laughs> the Word of God. The Word of God. Okay, just making sure you're with me here. Daniel Henderson, again, he's the author of this book, Transforming Prayer, which, by the way, is a great book. I would highly recommend it if you want to uh, grow in your, in your walk with God in prayer. He said, God's Spirit, so this is what it looks like, God's Spirit takes God's Word and ignites our heart with truth and wisdom and direction and focus and passion in our prayer experience. He said, once you've tasted this kind of prayer, you never want to go back. This is why God longs for us to pray in the Spirit. So one of the practices that I've started to implement in my own prayer journey, and when I say started to implement, I mean started to implement. I'm, I haven't arrived. But one of the practices that I've started to implement is to pray more often with my Bible open. Pray more often with my Bible open. Henderson calls it word-infused prayer. You see, instead of limiting my prayers to just asking God for stuff, which, by the way, Gets really boring after a while, doesn't it? You're afraid to agree with me, but you do. All we do is ask God for stuff. So instead of just asking God for stuff, I'll begin by opening my Bible and meditating on who he is and what he's done on his character. And then I'll begin my prayers by responding to who he is and what he's done, relying on the Holy Spirit to guide me along the way. Which, by the way, he's always faithful to do. You're like, well, what am I supposed to pray about if I just open up my Bible? I don't, I, sometimes I don't know what to pray. And you know what God's word says about that? You ready to hear this? He said, I got you covered. Romans 8.26 says, Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what to pray, for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us. Church, as I began to make this shift in my own prayer life, I found that my time with the Lord is much more enriching and that my faith uh, is strengthened for each day. It's much more strengthened for each day. Why? Because here's what I'm learning. 
I'm learning that when my prayers are led by his spirit and influenced by his word, I start asking for things that are much more aligned with his word. And when I ask for things that are much more aligned with his word, there's more of an assurance that he's actually going to answer. 1 John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15 says this, And this is the confidence, confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. To quote Henderson one last time, he said, one that delights in biblical truth about God's character, which we did, man, this morning in our Sunday school hour, in our, we call it Sunday school, it's really like an adult prayer time, that's what we did. We delighted ourselves in God's word. And, and we prayed back and, 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 and we blessed who he was. That was kind of the focus of our prayers. Henderson says, one that delights in biblical truth about God's character and seeks the empowerment of the Spirit for application and articulation and then surrenders in every way as prompted by this intimate encounter is equipped to fight the good fight every day. So all this to say, I want to encourage you to equip yourselves to fight the good fights by opening your Bible and inviting the Holy Spirit to guide your prayers. Jude uh, 1, well, Jude, uh, the only chapter in Jude is chapter 1, but it's in tw verses 20 and 21, it says this, but you, beloved, building yourselves up. How do we build ourselves up in the holy faith? Well, we, we, it comes by spending time with the Lord and his word. He says, building yourselves up in your most holy faith and praying in the Holy Spirit. Keep yourselves in the love of God, waiting for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ that leads to eternal life. This leads us to the third practice. Be sweeping in prayer. Sweeping. Not this kind of sweeping. Wait, no, that's golfing. <laughs> I don't sweep often. <laughs> is it, this is sweeping. Yeah, not this kind of sweeping. Um, sweeping. All right. Um, look at verse 18 again. It says, praying at all times in the spirit, with all prayer and supplication. All prayer and supplication. There was a couple in their mid-80s who was starting to get forgetful. And so their doctor suggested that they start writing things down. And that night, the old man was on his way to the kitchen when his wife asked, can you get me some ice cream? And the old man agreed. And as he continued walking, his wife said, don't you think you should write it down? And the old man snapped back, I don't need to write it down. I can remember to get you ice cream. His wife replied, but I want whipped cream on it. You should probably write it down. The old man said, I'll remember. Then she said, I also want strawberries. The old man impatiently said, honey, I'll remember. About 10 minutes went by and the old man came back and he handed his wife a plate with bacon and eggs. And his wife said, honey, you forgot the toast. Church, sometimes, sometimes we forget that prayer is much more than just asking God for stuff. In fact, we limit our prayers to praying through prayer lists, or I should say, if we limit our prayers to praying through prayer lists or prayer requests, I think we're missing out on experiencing true intimacy with God. Now, just for clarification, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with bringing our requests to God. In fact, we are commanded to bring our requests to God. 
And no request is too big or small to bring to God. Philippians 4.6 says, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. Another translation says, don't be anxious about anything, but pray about everything. See, we're called to pray about everything. It's okay. God wants us to bring our supplications to him. The problem is when we only bring our supplications to him, our requests to him. That's when the problem comes into play. And I think that's when we get a little disenchanted with our prayer lives. When we only seek what we can get from his hand, instead of seeking his face and enjoying his presence, that's when the problem comes in. In fact, a, a church leader named Joe from Fond du Lac, Wisconsin, learned this reality. It changed his life forever. He, listen to what he wrote in his journal. He said this. He said, tonight when I went to feed our dog Jackson, just like any other night, I walked to the kennel and I opened it up and I let him run to do his duty and then went into the garage to get food to feed him. When I went back to the kennel, he was eagerly anticipating my food I was going to give him. Like usual, I poured the food in his dish and stroked his head and ears. Then when I went to close the kennel, I called him over and he muzzled his head and chin where I could pet him. And the Lord prompted me. See how you like it when he comes over and seeks you and not the food? He said, I stopped and I realized a profound truth. You see, church, God the Father delights to meet the needs of his children. He delights it, just like a father delights to meet the needs of, you know, like I want to meet my kids' needs. It's a blessing. But even more so, he takes great delight when we delight ourselves in him. When Paul wrote with all prayer and supplication, it's a call to be sweeping, to be all-encompassing with our prayer lives. You see, a balanced prayer life doesn't just request things from God. It includes times of adoration, of praise, of thanksgiving, of confession, of meditation, of humility, and even singing, just breaking out in song for who he is and what he's done. And church, I truly believe that when we start praying this way, if we could grasp this, and let's not be naive because the disciples who walked with Jesus every day were still trying to figure this thing out, but they recognize there is something about how Jesus is praying that I need and that I want in my life more than anything else. So we can't say that we arrived, but we can commit to, to, to figuring this thing out. I believe that if we could start praying this way, it's going to be hard to stop praying this way because we're going to start experiencing God at a deeper, more profound level. But make no mistake about it. The enemy will do everything he can to trip us up and prevent us from praying this way. Why? Because he knows that the prayer of a righteous person has great power. James 5, 16. The great prayer warrior R.A. Torrey said this. He said, when the devil sees a man or woman who really believes in prayer, who knows how to pray, who really does pray, and above all, when he sees a whole church on its face before God in prayer, he trembles as much as he ever did, for he knows that his day in that church or community is at its end. Because of this reality, we need to be on high alert. And this leads us to the fourth, uh, pra uh, fourth practice, be sharp in prayer. Be sharp. Again, look at 18. Paul said, To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, 
Church, one of the reasons why deer hunting is such a challenging sport is because deer are always aware of their surroundings. They're constantly on the lookout for prey. And so in many ways, that's what we must be like when it comes to our prayer lives. 1 Peter 5.8 says, stay alert. Watch out for the, your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. You know, many, many deer get shot when their heads are down. And the same is true with believers. When we're not fixing our eyes on things above, we're more at risk of being penetrated by the enemy. And so all this to say, we need to remain sharp and diligent and persistent in our prayer lives if we're to withstand the sneaky attacks of the enemy. That's all I want to say about that. One more, the last practice. Be shared in prayer. Look at the last portion of verse 18. Making supplication for all the saints. This past week, I, I read an article that mentioned that over the course of the last half century or so, the United States Army went through several rebrands. Yet their short, shortest lasting motto went from 2001 to 2006, saying Army of One. That was their motto for those five years, Army of One. But this motto was dismissed because it was contrary to the idea of teamwork. They didn't like it, so they got rid of it. Well, the author observed that many Christians, especially Western Christians, often study the scriptures with an army of one mindset. In other words, we look at passages that primarily deal with the church and we individualize them. Now, there's nothing wrong with personal application. Obviously, we need that. However, we must remember that when Paul wrote to the churches, he wrote to the churches. The armor of God is meant to be put on by the whole army of God, and prayer is no exception. In his book, Praying for One Another, Gene Getz notes this. He said, more is said in Acts and the epistles about corporate prayer and corporate learning of biblical truth and corporate evangelism and corporate Christian maturity and growth than about the personal aspects of these Christian disciplines. He said, don't misunderstand. Both are intricately related. But the personal dimensions of Christianity are difficult to maintain and practice unless they grow out of a proper corporate experience on a regular basis. So here the Apostle Paul calls the church to pray for one another. However, the original audience would have understood this to mean with one another. In other words, for the early church, it was a shared experience. Prayer was a shared experience. Acts chapter 2, verse 42 and 44 says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to the fellowship, sharing of meals, Lord's Supper, and to prayer. And verse 44 says, and all the believers met together. You see, the early church didn't have written copies of the Bible like you and I do today. The best way for them to learn more about Christ and grow in their practice of prayer was to be together. Friends, I would argue that not much has changed. It's been said that prayer is better caught than it is taught. It's good for God's people to pray and learn how to pray together. And church, if we can get into this holy habit of praying for one another, with one another, we're going to find ourselves mutually equipped and greatly encouraged in our fight against the enemy. I want you to look closely at, at Hebrews 4.16. Look at this. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. He's talking about prayer. That 
me may find help? No, that we may receive mercy and find the grace to help in time of need. Church, we know the enemy doesn't want us to pray. But when it comes to prayer, I can't help but wonder if sometimes we're our own worst enemy. In other words, we don't pray because we choose not to pray. Let me encourage you to choose to pray today and walk in the light of God's face because in doing so, you're going to find victory. And this brings us back to today's truth to remember. Prayer is vital to our welfare in spiritual warfare. One more closing thought and we're done. So if you haven't listened yet, shame on you, but start listening now. Friends, there's no doubt that the Christian life is a war. But we praise God that through Christ, he's equipped us with everything we need for victory. Amen? Amen? My goodness, come on, people. Everything we need for victory. That dude's psyched. (laughs) However, there's another war taking place. And it's for those of you that are not yet Christians. It's a battle for your soul. The Bible teaches that God made us to be with him, to have a relationship with him, but we sin and we cut ourselves off from him. Yet God, in his great love for us, became a man in Jesus, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, taking the punishment for our sins upon himself. Three days later, Jesus rose from the dead, and in doing so, he provided the way to receive forgiveness for our sins, be saved, and receive eternal life. Friends, Satan wants nothing more than to take your soul with him into the pit of hell. But let me encourage you, don't let him win the battle. You can stop him in his tracks this morning. Your eternal destiny can change right now. Your soul can be secured right now by believing in the person and work of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. You know, here we are talking about the importance of prayer, right? Well, the first and most important prayer that you can pray is a prayer to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. In fact, you can do so right now in your seat by acknowledging that you're a sinner and repenting of your sin, which means changing your mind or direction and believing in the Lord Jesus Christ for your salvation. And so if that's something that you need to do today, don't let anything or anyone stop you from doing it. In fact, in the quietness of your seat, you can pray something like this right now. You can say, Dear God, Your word says that you have a desire, that you desire to have a relationship with me. And I believe it. Your word says that my sin has separated me from you, and I believe it. Your word teaches that apart from a Savior, I am destined to spend eternity in hell, and I believe it. However, your word also says that you sent your one and only Son, Jesus, to die for me on a cross, and that three days later he rose again. And whosoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And I believe that too. Lord, beginning today, I place my faith in Jesus and Jesus alone for eternal life. Thank you for this free gift and help me from this day forward to follow you and do your will. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed to receive Christ or you'd like to know more about what it means to be saved. I want you to come forward after the service. You can grab one of these information packets here. You just take one and go. You can come talk with me. 
Likewise, if you are here this morning, talking about prayer, if you're here this morning and you need prayer of any kind, I'm just going to ask some of our elders and their spouses to kind of come forward. If you guys want to come sit up, up front here, maybe in this first pew, if people want to come forward, if you want to pray with some of our elders, their spouses, about any issue going on in your life, they would be more than happy to pray uh, with you and for you. Take, take me up on that offer. They, they would really appreciate it, and you would as well. And so in closing, there's an Old Testament blessing, a benediction that was pronounced by the priest after every morning and evening service. And it's a blessing that I'd like to pronounce over our church body as we close. And I'll invite the praise team forward uh, during this time as well. You guys can come up and let me just read this over our church. Number 6, 24 through 26. We're talking about God's face. This was the blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Friends, his face brings us peace. Seek his face today. Let's pray. Lord God, I want to thank you for the opportunity to bring this message to our church body. Lord, help us to be known as a people who seek your face before anything else. God, we repent of, of shallow prayer lives, of, of treating you more like a genie than a God, than our God. But God, we are so thankful for your mercy and your grace and that we could, that you forgive us, number one, Lord, but then also you allow us to seek you and enjoy who you are, yet you still call us to ask and pray about things that are too big for us. Thank you for that. God, we love you. Help us to leave here closer to Jesus and more connected to you than ever before. And all God's people said, amen. Thank you for listening to this podcast from Grace Bible Church. For more information about our church and our ministries, you can visit gracebiblepa.com.